I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. better than this. Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award, Ultimate Dudes. Got another dude! O-Line U, bunch of dudes. Lot of dudes. Yeah! Another dude in the house! Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by 4th and Dude, Season 2. Week 9. The University of Miami's official mascot is the Ibis, which is a bird that is famous for its bravery during a hurricane. It's believed that the Ibis is the last animal to find shelter during stormy conditions and the first to reappear afterwards. Tell you what, Matt, that you better be ready to find shelter on Friday night when Hurricane Sauce comes to town. On today's episode, we'll recap a busy bye week, talk dude or pood, and get you guys ready for the Red Bandana game versus Miami on Friday in primetime. Hurricane Sauce is, is not a storm to be trifled with, so thank you for uh, bringing attention there. Matt, what a roller coaster of a weekend in college football we had here. I, I, I will say that I enjoyed watching the chaos unfold when it doesn't directly involve BC. It, inv- it you know makes for a much less stressful Saturday. But tell you what, I am absolutely fired up to watch the dudes back in action on a Red Bandana night this coming Friday. Yeah, and I'll say this. They, I think the reason Hurricane Sauce hasn't happened yet is because you know how they do it alphabetically. They, you don't often get to the S's. I mean, that's a very uh, that's a busy season. Yep. hurricane season, right? Um, no, but, but tell you what, it, I think we earned a much needed bye week um, just from all the uh, the chaos that's happened during BC season with the injuries and the close games and all the turnovers and everything happening. So it was nice to uh, kind of sit down, relax, and enjoy the uh, the college football games without having uh, all that stress that we usually do. I completely agree. Uh, so I think obviously this episode, you know, there's there's a lot to unpack uh, that we missed over the course of, of Saturday afternoon that, you know, definitely we'll, we'll want to bring into the courtroom for a very special edition of Duteous Corpus. But uh, if it's all right with you, I say we just start, dive right in with our dude and pood uh, and go from there. That work? Yeah. Yeah, Matt, that that works on my end. Uh, okay. Awesome. Do you want to do you want to kick it off and kind of show me how to do this again? It's been a while. I'm a little <laughs> rusty here. It's been, it's been a week. Uh, yeah. So I will. Uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to do my dude and pood back to back, if that's okay with you. Okay. Uh, Kind of a similar, similar vein. You'll get it. So my dude, I'm going to go with uh, BC basketball. So we have a lot of high hopes this year. Obviously we had a uh, productive season last year. Didn't get to the ultimate goal, which is of course uh, getting back to the tournament for the first time in a decade. But is that really the ultimate goal, Matt? That's, that's, it's the, it's the intermediate goal. Fine. It's the intermediate goal. All right. Uh, 
but we, you know, we we ha- we had high hope. We had good things going on. Uh, Jerome obviously left lottery pick, which brought us back down to earth a little bit. But my hopes are still very high, and I'll tell you why. We beat Harvard in a secret scrimmage uh, this past weekend in overtime, uh, which is good. Obviously, Harvard has been a little bit of a boogeyman for us in the past, so that's great news that we are getting over that hump. Uh, we have two freshmen who are going to plug in right away, uh, Jairus and, and Winston. Legit freshman studs. You're going to be huge. Chapman is one of the best shooters in the country. Uh, Stefan Mitchell is going to be a force in year two. We saw how much better Pop got over the course of the year, and I think it goes without saying we do have Kai. He's you know probably one of the best guards in the entire country. Matt, this is a tournament team, and we'll talk a lot more about them later on in the year, but just kind of a little preview here. I am so incredibly high on this team this year, and I, I think that I think that something very special is going to happen, you know, over the next four months. Matt, get this. That's also my dude. Awesome. I'm I'm fully in, and I'm, I'm sure you guys remember from last year, I, I made the mistake of not believing in this basketball team, not believing in Jim Christian specifically, and um, I think I called uh, Robinson overrated early on in the season. So what I'm going to do this year, Matt, I'm going to jump right on the bandwagon from day one. I don't care that it, it took us overtime to beat Harvard. I don't care, Matt. Um, and they were undermanned and the catheter team was hurt. doesn't matter. I love Kai. I love this team. Obviously, we got a couple great recruits, as you mentioned. Um, so I'm going to stay so positive on BC basketball, Matt. It's going to be uh, – we're, we're just going to have a great time talking shop about BC basketball all year. Um, so that's also my dude. So that, that kind of – That's easy. Right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, so how about that? Uh, when's the season start? A couple weeks? Uh, that sounds about right. We probably, as, as podcasters, should know the actual date, but that's good enough. Yeah, uh, I guess my we already touched on it. my other dude is just man talk about a, a stress a, a week to pick a stress free college football sit on the couch for twelve hours and just enjoy the games uh, really from noon to uh, midnight a little pack twelve after dark action for me Matt I think um, the Hawaii game kicked off at midnight which was oh, perfect so I didn't stay up quite for that okay <laughs> um, but the Arizona UCLA game uh, had a lot of gambling implications for me so I I just enjoyed staying up for that one. Um, College football was officially back for me this weekend. Um, had a few consecutive weekends on the road, so it was great to just uh, chill out for a little bit. And and BC didn't lose, so it was a great weekend for me, Matt. Yeah, you kind of hit the trifecta there. Uh, to get negative now, so I'll go to the, keep, keep it within Conti, but I, I have to, as my pood, talk about the boys on the ice, BC hockey. 0-3 for the first time since 1937, which is uh, obviously a very long time ago. Jerry York, I don't th- think would have been born yet. Uh Though he might have been. What year? Uh, 1937. Yeah, Matt. He's like 87, I think. He's he's old. But how old? Uh, 37. That's that's 80 years ago. 53 plus 18. That's 80 years ago. 63 plus 18. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. 81. So he, he was right around Jerry York's birthday. Um, anyways, 0-3 for the first time since then. Really bad. What's worse, over the last 20 non-conference games, they are winless with a record of 0-16-4. So obviously these first three losses have all been non-conference. Uh, Steam has missed the tournament the past two years. I think, you know, you and I talk about it all the time. Hockey for us is kind of a, a nice to have, you know, rather than how much we care about football and, you know, uh, not quite to the same extent, but close with basketball. Uh, but it's still not good when, you know, the, the program that is supposed to be the Duke of hockey is having the downtrodden couple years that they've uh, been on here. Well, A, I think we're a field hockey school now. Everyone knows that, yep, right? Really good point. And B, it's kind of like the Patriots. Our season doesn't start until the bean pot, right? February. That's well, yeah, when, but that's this is like start a, paying attention. Yeah, but it's like the Patriots haven't made the playoffs the last two years. That would be concerning. Uh, yeah, but so, and I didn't, I didn't realize that either, Matt. I, I'm more of a bean pot guy. And I think we won the bean pot last year, so um, that's what I care about, or maybe the year before. Not sure. Fair. Yes, um, I'm sure it happened at some point. So yeah, we're not a hockey podcast. Apologies for that. Obviously, if that, if that wasn't clear, uh, but. 
it's Coach York, and it's the guys. Um, is uh, is what's his name still there? Uh, Thatcher Demko. No, I think I think he's uh, I think he's a little little too old now to okay. play. Got it. All right. So moving on here, Matt. Um, <laughs> my pood, and we're going to get a little bit into football here. Uh, we're starting to hear some rumors about uh, the, the coaching carousel. And so I just saw a couple things come out. Well, the first thing, we'll talk about Purdue probably a couple times during this mm-hmm. episode. Um, someone had a, a hot take that came across Twitter. Um, and I search Adazio in the search box all the time. But Purdue... And again, by the way? we'll talk about this in, uh, in Duteous Corpus, but it turns out Purdue's a pretty darn good football team. They knocked off Ohio State. Huge win. Wasn't even close. Um, and there's no two buts about it, Matt. That's a good win for BC's strength of schedule. Obviously, you know, they smoked us. That was a bad game for us. Um, but turns out they're a good team. And everyone was saying, hey, you know, I don't feel as bad about that Purdue loss anymore. But then someone said, oh, really? That makes you feel good about the loss? Well, isn't you know look at the job that Brom's doing or Coach Brom's doing in year two compared to what Adazio's doing in Coach si- in year six? Fair, fair point. No, Matt, shut up. You can say that about <laughs> any time anyone beats anyone when they're not like you know in, in a, a coaching a coach that's early on his career. Whatever they lost to, by the way, Northwestern uh, in Eastern Michigan in Missouri. So can we just pump the brakes on you know him getting Brom getting Coach of the Year and he's already better than Adazio who's gone to Bulls for the last five years? Would you rather so right my, now if, if you could if you could switch right now? Would you, uh, yeah, would you take yeah. Jeff Brom? Adazio, yeah, okay. I'd go with okay. Adazio. Matt. <laughs> All right, interesting. So, and and you can you can say save anyone short of Saban pretty much, and I'm going Daz. So okay, um, yeah, it's the wrong tree to bark up. Um, also speaking of coaches, uh, I heard that UNC, so they're obviously going to likely going to part ways with Coach Fedora. Heard a little bit of rumbling from my insider sources down south. Um, they might be interested in Coach Adazio. He would obviously never go. BC is a way better program. Um, and he's established a great pipeline and all that. But uh, just interesting. We're, heart- we're starting to hear some rumors about the coaching did you, carousel. Did, did, you actually hear, did you actually hear rumors of that? Where, where yeah. is this coming from? I can't I can't disclose my sources when we're on air. We'll talk uh, post-show. Sure. Right. Look, looking forward to that. Um, that's yeah, That would be a wild move. Okay. Um, interesting. All right. Overall, I think a pretty good, you know, again, it's nice when, when, uh, we don't have BC football because it eliminates the possibility of a BC football related dude, or I'm sorry, a pood. So, uh, overall good news there. Let's move on to dude of the week. I'll let you go first here. Okay. Mine's, mine's kind of serious. Well, not uh, serious, but uh, it's kind of, uh, like it's going to be the same. It, the, the Tyler Trent, the Purdue super fan. Is that oh, who it's it? actually not. No. So we're going to have two serious ones. Great. That's oh, great. This is that's on brand. Really brand here. Yeah. Great. Um, so as I said, I mean, Saturday was just a great day for college football across the board. Um, but really the high point of, of everyone's, uh, you know, weekend was probably the P- Purdue knocking off Ohio State. Ohio State's obviously kind of the evil program based on all the offseason stuff that went on. Um, and game day did it just an awesome story on this kid, Tyler Trent, who's a, been a Purdue fan his whole life. And, um, you know, he's overcome cancer a couple of times, bone cancer, you know, pretty serious, very serious. And all he ever wanted in the world was for, for Purdue to upset Ohio State on, uh, on Saturday. It was just, it was one of the best stories. And it was just, he's, he's my dude of the week because he was just electric. And I, I don't know, Matt, people that, that don't appreciate sports or, you know, even college football, um, you just got to be the biggest idiots of all time. There's my, my, I don't, I'm not really a crier, but I was, I was bawling my eyes out as they, uh, you know, they showed him celebrating with the team. It was awesome. Yeah, I hear you. That was actually, I was definitely one of the best, uh, takeaways of the, of what was a, honestly a, a pretty great college football weekend. Uh, I'm going to keep it on the Tom Rinaldi storyline train, talking just about emotional, uh, powerful stories and go with, you know, no surprise here. Really a dude of all time, more than just a week, but it is red, red bandana week. So, uh, have to give it to none other than Wells Crowther. 
I'm sure everybody by now knows his story, but uh, really, I don't know what else you can say. Just a tremendous display of, you know, heroism, bravery, service to others. Uh, it's honestly, you know, pretty incredible just to be able to be associated with him in any way and that, you know, we went to the same school as, as someone like that. Uh, and I can you know, guarantee you that this team, the entire stadium is, you know, going to be playing with something extra uh, on Friday night when they put those red bandanas on. So, yeah, I, I, you know, another incredibly powerful Tom Rinaldi piece. If you somehow haven't seen it, if you've been living with your head under a rock, uh, go watch that right away. Uh, I'm sure I think the team always watches it, you know, the Thursday night before the red bandana game and uh, his parents are usually in attendance. So it's going to be a, as always, a very, you know, emotional and powerful atmosphere on Friday night. But uh, if, if history is any indication, this team has, uh, you know, taken that on and, and really treated it like a, a privilege and the honor that it is and uh, put a, a phenomenal foot forward. Obviously, we had the USC game uh, a few years back, as well as Florida State, the, the drubbing last year. So uh, hope for more of the same. Obviously, Wells, you know, deserves nothing less. Yeah, that's. I'm gonna co-sign that one too, Matt. That's a uh, that's a good one there. Uh, hey, Matt, we're one of the we're best off brand to... here. Can we talk about some? Can we talk about I don't know, like poo jokes again or something like that? Yeah, it's just, we need like a commercial break or something <laughs> to kind of separate it out. The Fox but, injury uh, music would be good right now. <laughs> exactly, but yeah, you know, just to, just to echo that, just one of the best stories of all time, and it's it's great to be you know affiliated with that and, and be one of the best things going you know about BC. So um, it's great they do it every year, and it's it's obviously about way more than football. Um, but it's going to be a, uh, a hell of a night on Friday and, uh, and can't wait for, for all that. So, yes, yeah, so let's get back into the uh, into the dumb segments that we do here, Matt. Um, <laughs> what's what's up next? I'm, I'm all thrown off with this buy. I don't, it, I don't really yeah, know the, where to the go. The buy does make things a little confusing. Uh, I say we do a quick Eagles in the wild before we get into the meat of duty as corpus, then leading us into Miami. I don't okay. have I don't have much here. Uh, so obviously the, the Sox are in the World Series, soon to be World Series champs. The, they were actually first game is tomorrow night. That's why we're recording this tonight early on a Monday. So hopefully we get this out a little bit uh, early for you guys. Tried to find a BC guy who's currently associated with the Sox in some capacity. I'm sure, obviously, with you know the, uh, the the obvious Boston connection, there is a lot of overlap there. But all I could find in my Google search uh, was one guy, a kid named Jesse Lopez from the class of 2018, who is the visiting clubhouse assistant. So he is going to be my Eagles in the wild. I'm sure there are others, but again, like I said, Google only gave me Jesse Lopez. So distinctive honor of, of the first visiting clubhouse assistant to win the Eagles in the wild award. Yeah. Did you have to search LinkedIn for that? Like it was you could have grabbed someone tough. from like yep. Fenway Sports Group. <laughs> I'm not going to name my sources. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, all right. I'm going to go with uh, one of my best friends in the world, Luke Keekley. Um, single-handedly pretty much beat the, the Eagles in a huge come-from-behind win uh, on Sunday. Uh, just, you know, kind of an off game for him. Just 14 tackles, a sack, uh, four TFLs. And, um, you know, as, as a Philly guy now that just can't stand the Eagles, I was uh, – and I had to go to a bar to watch the end of the Pats game. You know, obviously the Pats kept it pretty close against the Bears, and it wasn't on television, and Red Zone wasn't really uh, paying attention to it that well. So I had to uh, head out to a bar down the street for the second half. And, you know, it was – obviously every, everything down here is an Eagles bar. So but I did find the Pats on, on one of the small TVs in the corner. And, uh, but the, uh, once that ended, the, the Eagles Carolina game was unreal and, uh, surrounded by screaming Eagles fans. And I was trying to silently celebrate, um, you know, as the, as the Panthers had this huge comeback, I did let out a, a big yell after, uh, Luke had a pretty big hit, caught some flack for that, some stares, but, but they throw, he's they just, throw batteries down there, man. So just they, be careful. They do. Yeah. Yeah. They do. So, but tell you what, Matt, just a, a great game. And, and Luke, it doesn't get any better than, uh, than Luke Keekley. Again, one of my best friends in the world. Yeah, you guys used to shower together. Do, do I have my notes correct on that? 
Uh, I, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll just okay. say, yeah. Yep. <laughs> just get it's out exactly, in front of it. Ex- exactly what it sounds Control like. the story or the story controls you. I love That's it. That's right. Um, all right. It, we, we, got a, we got a lot of, uh, like I said, it was a roller coaster of a college football weekend. Obviously, BC not playing, but a lot of indirect uh, attention, I would say, onto the Eagles from, from our lens. So let's, uh, let's do it. Let's, let's get right into the courtroom here. All right. Court, court is officially in session here, Matt. Let's just let's talk straight to schedule. I guess that's that's probably the logical place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, between Purdue, who obviously knocked off Ohio State, as we mentioned, Temple, who knocked off the number twenty team, uh, Cincinnati, in a, in a great game as well. Um, any, anything else could happen? That's really the big two. I mean, well, so here's so so here's really the problem, and it was like almost sequential in how Saturday went. Uh, but basically, it was a continuation of strength schedule got much better, and then it got much worse, pretty much back to back throughout the game. So here's uh, overall how the chrono- chronology of the day went. So Temple beat Cincy, like you said, obviously very good for our strength of schedule. Uh, then Syracuse needed overtime to beat UNC, arguably the worst uh, team in the ACC. One special note for you there, Matt. They pulled Eric Dungey. Uh, so I. I Sorry Matt, for your loss. He's one of there. those guys that he doesn't have to be in the game in order to affect the game. So I think he's out for the year probably or something, but that's still a, a dungy Syracuse team. They're still going to probably go undefeated the rest so of the year. So their quarterback of note, by the way, Tommy DeVito, was the name of Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas. Yes. Uh, which I knew that, Matt. I think a fun little fact. If you there. didn't say it, I was going to say it. So glad you covered <laughs> yeah. that one. Um, and then again, continuing on the negative side of our strength of schedule, NC State, and we'll, and we'll talk about these in a little bit more detail, but NC State looked absolutely atrocious. Uh, and that loss looks much, much, much worse now. I think I actually saw NC State was underdogs at Syracuse this weekend, which I think might be a typo. But I saw that too. I, 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 I mean, obviously, we should research again, that. But no, that it is. Crazy. I, I, I looked it up. Like it's, it's insane. Um, but they did look that bad. And, and Syracuse is, uh, you know, a team that keeps it close in every game. It's Eric so game. I, I guess, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that line will, will flip pretty quickly. I mean, people are going to be higher at NC State than, than Q's, obviously. But right. it is it's, it's funny where some of these lines came out for uh, for next week. Yeah, I hear did you. Mention, did you mention Wake? Uh, no, they were they were the next in my chronology there. So that was that's not good for a couple of reasons. One, it's not good. Well, I guess it's a wash restraining schedule, but it's bad for yeah, our. By the wins. way, so was so was Clemson. Clemson, you know, fair. Yeah, yeah, fair. Them be, them beating NC State. Obviously, it looks bad now, but sure. we didn't have we didn't have Dylan. So that loss sort of is what it is. And um, yeah, Clemson's officially terrifying. Uh, Clemson is really, really, really good. Uh, my only hope there is again they're thin at quarterback. Not that you root for injuries or anything, but if if Trevor it sounds Lawrence, like you're rooting for an injury, Matt. <laughs> I'm rooting for him to start playing poorly and for him to say, "Man, I wish we had you know someone uh, good on the back end that we could go to." And that's not an option. Uh, although Christian Wilkins, I think, threw his hat in the defensive lineman, so that would be good to get him off the defensive side of the ball and get him in a quarterback. But Matt, I'll tell you what, Florida State, I, and we've said this for weeks now that we wish we could just play them in like week one, week two, just get it over with because they were going to put it together. They looked really, really, really good on Saturday. I don't know how much of that is Wake is actually bad, which also hurts our case. Uh, but that's not a team that I want to go into Tallahassee and play in a few weeks. Uh, no, Matt, did you know that uh, Francois, their quarterback, is like the best quarterback in the ACC now? I don't I know so. how that happened. Yeah. Um, but he's, he, I think he's leading the conference in, in yards. He's up there in, in QBR. Um, he's got a 13 touchdown to six inter- six interception ratio, which is you know one of the better ones. Um, he's better than Ryan Finley in pretty much every category. Uh, the only the only knock on on 
FSU and it's been like this for a few years is they can't protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll talk about FSU at a later date, but I think the recipe is just getting Zach Allen and Wyatt Ray in the backfield and just disrupting Francois and their, their offense just stinks. You know, they, they have a running back cam Akers that was probably the most overrated recruit. I mean, he was one of the best recruits, so, but whatever, everyone was, he had a better Heisman, uh, better odds to win the Heisman than, um, than Dylan did at the beginning of the year, which was just the, the most absurd thing ever. So anyway, my, the point is FSU is just, they're, they're always overrated. They are talented. Um, so that they, they were always going to be able to put it together. Um, but it just sucks that they're starting to, and, and we play them, uh, you know, obviously later on in the season. It, it never works out. You know, even last year, um, we played them late in the season, and, and you know, maybe it was good, but we didn't get credit for beating them because everyone's like, ah, oh, you, know, right, exactly. you, you yep. know, they gave up on the year, whatever. So just we can never play them at the right time, it seems like. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, and again, I think going down to Tallahassee makes that different too. Even when they're bad, you know, they'll still fill the stadium and, and, you know, get behind their team, especially if things are going – the way we hope it will be going for us, which at that point will be off hopefully three straight wins, if not two out of one, and you know having a very good year, knocking around the top 25. So overall, very concerning, and that was a bad development that we saw on Saturday. Uh, and then obviously the coup de grace, uh, or the you know the kind of the final, I don't know if I used that correctly, but kind of the last piece of the weekend, uh, Purdue absolutely housing Ohio State. Look, I'm not surprised because we saw how good they were. Obviously, Rondell Moore is the real deal, but that was that was something else. Yeah, that that game was awesome, Matt. Even almost as much as as enjoying that one was just watching Clemson just take NC State to the wall. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know why. I just I can't stand NC State. Um, you know, well, I think it was part of it how bad that you know. I think how bad we had an interaction with their fan, like just their general presence was, part of was it. sickening. That's and part Dave Dorn's a horrible just, guy, which we didn't talk about. Right, that's part Terrible of it. Guy. So part of it's the NC State hype. You know, they're they're so overrated. Oh, they're the dark horse in the ACC every single year. Every it's unbelievable. Year. Uh, since the Russell Wilson days, even beyond that, um, Dave Dorn, you touched on Finley's overrated, and he's this giant nerd alert. And then, in addition to the, the NC State fans from the time that we were down there, which by the way it was just that one girl, the rest of them were a real treat, Matt. So let's not. You the rest know, of them were fine. The, entire- the rest of them were fine. No, the guys across the way were, were legends. I don't, I don't care what you say. There was some NC State fan that mentioned we got mentioned in a tweet. I, I don't know what it was, but there was a, a NC State fan who was you know had a legitimate argument. Um, he was trying to say that AJ Dillon uh, did not deserve the accolades that he got. He was potentially uh, overrated, which I just I, I've never heard a, a worse take in my entire life. You could say you know a million <laughs> bad things about BC and and coaching and and holes in the defense and special teams and kicking and all that, right? AJ Dillon being overrated is not a, a legitimate critique of this football program. So say literally anything else. So I think NC State fans just aren't all that smart or the representatives that we've seen of NC state aren't all that great. Um, but it was just, it was great to see Clemson just absolute domination from them. Yeah. And, and I'll say too, also, you know, if we look at the bigger picture of the ACC, let's ignore BC for a minute. You know, it's, it's huge that we have a team that is, you know, as good as they are uh, with the way the, the final four is shaping up right now. Uh, there's a good chance that what I guess uh, three conferences theoretically could get, left out of the power five, right? Because I think the top four right now has two SEC, obviously Clemson and then Notre Dame. So that would leave out three power five programs, which obviously there's a ton of football left. And, you know, who knows if they leave out a one loss, Ohio State or Michigan. But, you know, having Clemson be as good as they are and everyone's saying, yeah, they're really the only team that we think can challenge. 
uh, Alabama is, is, you know, it's huge for the conference. Uh, obviously that assumes that we don't pull off the, uh, probable upset. I think we will, but more on that in a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's just really good to continue to have, you know, a dominant team. The rest of the ACC is down as, as we've discussed many times. Uh, but it's good for the entire conference to not be, uh, you know, completely in the dumpster. Agreed. Um, a couple other games on my list here. Uh, obviously Michigan beating Michigan state was, was a huge, uh, huge game for, the nation, you know, no direct ACC implications. Um, but Michigan, I think, and I, I know the way it's set up right now, I think it's Bama and LSU are both in the, in the top four, but with the, the SEC championship, like, you know, if someone's going to win the SEC, someone will likely be left out. Um, so I think it's Michigan, you know, they sort of control their own destiny. If they win the Big Ten, right, you would assume that they would get in. Well, especially with their one loss being Notre Dame. I mean, exactly. for, compared to an Ohio State, you know, being murdered by Purdue, which almost is like their loss to, uh, what was Ohio State's loss what, last year that kept them out? They got – oh, Iowa, right? Iowa. They got killed yeah, on the road. Iowa so it's almost kind of a, a carbon copy of that. Uh, so Michigan's in much better shape if they can you know, continue to keep it rolling. Yeah, and I, Matt, I, I hate Michigan. I, I didn't know I hated Michigan, but then I saw the guy dancing on the uh, the Spartan pregame, and I just put every dollar I own on Michigan State, which turned out to be a, a bad move. Um, great gambling weekend for me otherwise, though, Matt. <laughs> so, um, Matt, and I like are, Matt and I are in a, uh, a college pick and I was just uh, – just had a good week. Matt did not have a good week, uh, but that's what tends to happen. But anyway, that's that's a different subject. Do you have anything else on, on your list, Matt? That was most of, most of the ones on mine. Yeah, I'll just I'll just give a shout out to uh, Pullman Washington for their great performance on game oh, day. Oh yeah, that was a good one. You know, first time ever they were you know one of the one of the last few Power Five schools to never have game day. So it looked like an absolute madhouse there. And then of course in the actual game they came out and took care of business handily uh, against Oregon. So they've got a good team out there and a lot to get excited about. Pac-12 is, you know, always one of those conferences that we all just forget about because it's on so late on stupid channels. But definitely definitely good to get some some mix-up of teams that are good rather than just the typical Oregon, Stanford, whatever. So nice to has, see Washington pack- State in the mix. When's the last, time t- the last time a Pac-12 team was in the playoff? I don't know that – have they ever been, honestly? I, uh, I mean, it's only been or- around Oregon? for – well, it's only been around for like three or four years. Yeah, it was it was that like maybe a Oregon, uh, Ohio State might have been the first year. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, you know what? I'll get the stats department on this. Uh, okay, I, I well, have a fun fact in the meantime. Yeah, please. Uh, so we talked a lot about, you know, so BC lost to Purdue. Purdue beat Ohio State. So, you know, BC might not be as bad. You know, stuff like that. Everyone's throwing the transitive property around, Matt. And I, I found a, and I know you love the transitive property. You're a math oh, I do. Guy. Math major, yep. But I found someone had a comment. So if you if you go through the uh, you know kind of how the games went this season, you can kind of do five degrees of separation of Holy Cross beating Oklahoma. So I think it goes. So I'll just do it quick. Holy Cross beat Yale. Yale beat Maine. Maine beat Villanova. Villanova beat Temple. Temple beat Maryland. Maryland beat Texas, and then Texas beat Oklahoma uh, last week. So by that logic, Holy Cross. And BC, right? Yeah, by B- and we'll BC twice because we beat Temple and Holy Cross. Yeah, How about that, Matt. Just and really we smoked uh, Holy Cross. So that wasn't even close, honestly. Yeah, was we not beat Oklahoma close. by like fifty. So, um, no, never mind. I was going to say you got to be, you know, careful with the transitive property, but I'm good with that. I think that's, you know, probably probably the right, you know, way to look at things. I completely agree. Also, while I, so on that note as well, uh, this means that we would be BC. Uh, sorry, BC would beat Ohio State by twelve on a neutral field. Uh, if you subscribe to the transitive property, as we do on this program. Uh, and then for the college football playoff, Oregon got in the first year, and Washington and lost to Ohio State. Yeah, they, I remember nope, that, Matt. Incorrect. Oh, in the in the championship, yeah, they smoked Florida State. Yeah, they lost to Zeke. It was the Zeke and. Uh, That's right, and then in two thousand and seventeen, I think. 
in 2017, uh, Washington got in and got smoked by uh, Alabama. Wait, was oh, this that's the most right. Recent year? That's yeah. That no, was uh, just, no, no, no. This is last years, year. This the year was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah before. they got right. smoked. Right. Uh, I bet big on Washington. Remember that. Um, not right. good. Not good, Matt. You're you're only you're only touting your losses here. You got to figure out how to control the uh, narrative a little. Well, better. those are the ones you remember. Um, True. All right. So I think we did a good job there, kind of flying through a lot of what happened uh, this past week, talking due to pood as we promised, due to the week. All that stuff is over. Duteous corpus. Matt, are we ready to uh, adjourn the court and, and start talking hurricanes? Only other note I want to say quickly before we adjourn the court, I do think this was a good weekend overall for ACC title chances. Uh, really, the main reason was we needed NC State to lose, and they did that. If NC State continued to be undefeated, obviously they would hold the one-loss tiebreaker over us, even if they did slip up elsewhere. So hopefully this is the start of their demise. They'll lose a couple others, and, and we'll still control our destiny here. But And game day. That, and game and day. Game day. And game the ACC day is still weeks. alive. The, the game day in, in Chestnut Hill at no Friday November, or Saturday, November 10th is very much still in play. I've convinced myself it's going to happen. Uh, all we got to do is take care of business against the next two teams, and uh, it's, it's almost a, a near certainty. Reese Davis, uh, you know, as much as he hates BC and everything we stand for, I don't think he makes the rules. And I think, as you said, there's a lot of BC guys in Bristol that uh, that would love to make the trip to Chestnut Hill. So, Matt, I'm already I'm already worried about how hoarse I'm going to be from booing Reese Davis for the the three straight hours of the program. Mm-hmm. Yep, I and mean, Herb Street's Herb Street's just as guilty. I yep. mean, he's he he loves to bash BC whenever he can. He also predicted the Purdue win, um, not because he knows football, because he's a Big Ten homer. So that's really annoying. The Purdue win over BC, I might add. Yep. No, he's um, sickening. Yep, they're, yeah, they're just so. all terrible, and he doesn't age, by the way, which is weird in and of its own self. Yeah, um, he's he's a weird looking dude. All right. Other than that, though, I think we, I think, like you said, we covered a lot. I think I'm ready to adjourn. All right, court is officially adjourned. Um, Let's talk Miami, Matt. Uh, Hang on. You can't just say adjourned. You have to hit the gavel. We've been over this. I've been a judge for like five weeks here, Matt. All right. Court adjourned. Thank you. All right. Miami, what's your uh, fun fact? And by the way, Miami, it seems like we've done this before with Miami. We never have. And what a treat this is to have a uh, legitimate school here with some really good alum, some really good fun facts. And I want to hype yours up too much here, Matt. Oh, no. A lot of really, really good fun facts. Um, So excited to have a, a, a big school here. So now, disagree, disagree with you on the fun facts. I found nothing. Their notable alumni is tremendous. And I honestly could have sworn that we had did it before because it was, you know, that good. I originally um, d- did my top five hurricanes and then I realized, oh, shoot, we got to do alum. We haven't done alum yet. I could have gotten dark uh, very quickly. So I think, You're right. I think it's good that we won't be playing them for, for a few more years after this. Hopefully we'll come up with a better idea by then. Um, so I don't even have anything for the school for my fun fact. I'm going to go for the city at large. Uh, fun fact, it's the only city in America, at least according to the website that I saw, that was founded by a woman. Huh. Why, why does that matter? It's just, it's, it's, I think that's a notable fact. I, I think you're expecting me to make a joke here or something like that, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, just a fun fact. Well, I just think, I think they're just as capable as, you know, founding a school, but well, no, whatever, that's I, your take. I, that's fine. I agree. I agree. But then wouldn't, you know, again, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's a, it's, it's great that Miami is the only city that's, you know, progressive enough to, uh, actually allow that to happen. Matt, you want to hear progressive? Let's hear progressive. Hear the Hurricanes mascot. Thank you for getting me out of this, by the way. <laughs> The Hurricanes mascot, uh, Sebastian the Ibis, who I mentioned in that uh, that brutal intro, uh, is the first and only Hispanic American college mascot. Matt, interesting. Kind of thought they were, you know, kind of just all all encompassing. 
Yeah, that was Wikipedia, Matt. So I, I feel like that's one of those that someone just threw in there and, uh, you know, no one fact-checked and it, it was it's still on the site. So, um, but I believe it. I mean, he identifies as Cuban and that's what we're going to go with. He's the first and only Hispanic American college mascot. Okay, I love it. Uh, that was, Matt, that was pretty fun. I think, you know, I, I think not a terrible job by both of us, to be completely honest, but... Very progressive um, university. I'm with you. Yeah, cool. All right, um, let's do the top five alum. And there's only one logical choice here for... Number one, do you want to take it or do you want me to? I'm a, I'm a little, uh, I'm a, I, honestly, man, I, I could go pretty much any of my top three. I think I could be comfortable being number one. So I, okay, I'll, so I'll just go first then. Yeah. So the, the, the number one hole and it's, it's, it's every, you know, whenever you think of University of Miami, you think about show business, you think about anything, you think about The Rock. The Rock is the, probably the, the most famous person in the world. Um, I was never that big. I and mean, he's, he's, you know, in everything, right? Um, I wasn't that big of a fan of The Rock until Ballers, and, and I know that's a weird thing to say, but I'm, I'm like in the 1% of Ballers fans, which is a show on, on HBO. Um, it's probably actually single-handedly keeping my HBO subscription alive. But he obviously <laughs> played football at the U, um, then had a nice wrestling career, and now just does everything. He's going to run for president in a couple of years. Um, I think he might actually get 100% of the popular vote. Um, so The Rock is my number one hole there, Matt. Yeah, I think I, I think that is definitely the the clear runner away here. Uh, but I'm happy that I have two other good ones for my next two picks. So on a similar note of you know you said it, just the uh, you know perfect image of entertainment and everything positive that comes with that. Got to go, Sylvester Stallone. Um, you know now that I'm saying that, he may have had some uh, bad stories come out about him in the you know over the past year or two, but. I don't want to confirm those, so uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I think he's clean. He just comes across okay. as, uh, you know, a little okay. dumb, right? Well, no, I think, okay. he, I think he's good. Okay, well, in that case, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, just uh, uh, Rocky movies obviously are tremendous. Uh, Rambo. I mean, you could go down his entire list. The whole reboot, you know, Creed was a phenomenal movie. Creed two looks, uh, I guess, good as well. So, you know, not quite the the rock in current, uh, you know, current popularity, I guess. But in terms of a overall resume i think you'd know very have to very similar and it's it's surprising that they haven't you know done a, a movie together at least not that i know of um but you remember last year matt when you know gronk was thinking about becoming a movie star yeah it was uh it was the rock and and stallone that kind of teamed up and were trying to convince him to come to showbiz so um you know that's an interesting fact there <laughs> that is a really interesting fact that, that would be a big that'd be a big three right there i'm kind of I don't think they – yeah, they can't all be in the same movie. That's right. too much dumb muscle in, in, in one movie. But I don't know. Maybe it could work. Who knows? But hopefully Croc yeah. uh, is going to stick with football for a little bit. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Um, all right. My number three, again, it's relevant. It's topical. My manager, Alex Cora. Absolutely love this guy. Uh, normally we – I feel like normally we try to shy away from from sports figures, but I feel like it's uh, it's impossible to ignore here. Obviously, like we said, we have the, we have the World Series coming up starting tomorrow night. Uh, he has just done an absolutely tremendous job with this Red Sox team in year one. Everyone around baseball says he's one of the smartest minds in the game. Uh, and can't say enough good things about him. He's charismatic. He's young. He, you know, he's a player's manager. Uh, but he also is an absolute baseball genius. So Alex Cora, a great representative of the U for my third overall pick. Matt, he was, I was saving him. I was hoping you wouldn't use him, but that is, uh, very relevant. And, uh, tell you what about Boston. This is going to get off, off track here, but we got some young, Really good coaches. You think about Cora, you think about Brad Stevens, you think about uh, I don't know Josh McDaniels, probably right. And you think about Coach Adazio. You just you get some great coaches in this city, all um, under the age just, of fifty. And it's just well, no, isn't Steve uh, sixty one? Steve's, Steve's very old. Yeah, Steve's he looks very old. he looks fifty. Though. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, 
but yeah, just great coaches in this city, uh, Belichick, Adazio, and the rest of the guys. Could not um, agree more. All right. So in the four hole here, Matt, I'm going to go, I'll go with a duo. Um, so Gloria Estefan and Enrique Iglesias, who I, I did as a duo, but I don't know anything it turns out about Gloria Estefan. I can't name a single song that she does. You'd recognize I know she's a couple. famous. You'd recognize a couple of her hits. I'll say that much. Can you name one? Because I, I can't. Uh, and I Googled it. I, your, still, I didn't recognize any. Get on your feet, any. I think, is her. I don't know that one. So, yeah. um, But let's talk Enrique. That's really what this is kind of all about. You talk about Hero, um, Escape, by Lamos. Uh, he's also married to Anna Kornikova. So um, really good alum. For are they still the together? There. Yeah, they are. They, they are. Them. That's, yeah, that's so uh, yeah, it's great. And he tell you what, he he's had some longevity. He did a song with Pitbull not that long ago, so he's you know still in the mix here. Um, which Ricky Martin, his rival, was not. So anyway, um, and then in the fifth hole, Matt, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I was gonna go with Alex Cora, so now I'm deciding between three kind of under, underwhelming ones. The CEO of Sabaro is actually oh, a Matt, university. You could have done, done better. I just, yeah, there should, should be an honorable mention. Um, but shout out to Sabaro. They, they actually have some pretty good pizza. Um, you think of, of them having not good pizza. It's in, you know, uh, rest stops and, and that type of thing. But the Sabaro in, in New York, you know, near Penn Station, pretty darn good, Matt. Um, it's not as good as the Penn Station pizza, which actually you would also think is, is not that good. But they're great. Um, and I'll just give my power rankings for Boston pizza. It goes uh, Regina's, number three. Ernesto's, which is also in the North End, number two. And then Pino's, number one. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love Pinos as well, but uh, overall, that's a that's a that's a tough power rankings uh, to not have Regina be above Ernesto's, so you kind of lose a lot of credibility there. And no, then so Sabaro you've never take. gone to Ernesto's if that's the case. All right, and number one, by the way, and so Sabaros, I think they're going out of business. They've been saying that for like ten years, though. At this, this point, those, I think yeah, they're just like actually not going to do it. Yeah. Okay, fair. Um, all right, uh, for my final pick here, I've got a couple good ones that you left on the table. I'm going to go with Stevo from Jackass. Uh, he was obviously very entertaining in the early 2000s. I feel like kind of had a sad turn, um, you know, post jackass fame. I think it's almost kind of like a boxer. Like you're just, you know, so beat up. It's probably like you have CTE, uh, turned to drugs, got sad, but I think he got help and is doing better. So that's something that we like to see. But again, for the contributions that jackass made in the early 2000s, I think he's a no doubter for the top six. Yeah, I wasn't really a jackass guy. That wasn't that wasn't allowed okay. in my house, so we didn't do that. No, I, um, mine, mine neither, for the record. It was, that, okay. That's a classic Friends House show. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Um, I got a couple honorable mentions. Um, and none of these, I, I think I'm going to stand by my Sabaro guns here. Um, Steve Madden, who designed shoes and has a funny, there's a funny scene involving Steve Madden in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Um, not the real one, I don't think, but just a uh, different one. And then um, Susie Colbert, who's just kind of a delight on Monday Night Football. Yeah, no, I, I, she, she was on my list as well. Uh, the big one we missed for the acting side of things was Ray Liotta uh, from Goodfellas, as we mentioned earlier with Tommy DeVito. But he's Henry Hill, who, of course, as we all know, oh, uh, I didn't know he was orchestrated the BC point shaving scandal as seen on the mm-hmm. 30 for 30. So that's a good one. Um, and then on the Susie Colbert note, Pedro Gomez, who's most famous for following around Barry Bonds for, I don't know, 10 years in the mid 2000s. Yeah, it was forever. Tell you what. Yeah, and then I'll have to go with uh, one of my favorite uh, supporting characters on television, uh, Jeff Garland from Curb Your Enthusiasm. He plays Larry's uh, agent, Jeff, in that program. Yeah, Matt, I don't love your list. I think it's a good list for you. I just, I don't really, those guys don't really resonate. With well, hey, you got it. You got the HBO subscription from Ballers, so fire up some Curb Your Enthusiasm. Matt, I'm trying with that show. It just, it's, it stinks. It's, it's really, a smart, really it's a smart, it's a smart humor. Okay. 
All right, so you guys are here for football. We'll talk a little bit of football, we promise. Um, that's next, right, Matt? Yeah, let's do it. Right. Well, uh, uh, tailgate ability. Oh, shoot. Okay, so I, I can you go first? Yep. So I'll give you the positives here. So it's red bandana Friday night. Obviously, there's always a lot of extra juice behind uh, that game and the, and the general atmosphere on campus. Uh, the negative, though, being Friday night, I think it does take away a little bit from the, um, I'll say the people coming from not on campus. It's tough to get out of work. It's tough to drive in from the suburbs, traffic, whatever. So that hurts it a little bit. Um, but ESPN broadcast, Sean McDonough on the air, just a, you know, an all time announcer, great voice there. Uh, so, so definitely is going to have that big game feel. We are playing a blue chip program. It, it's unfortunate that they are coming off a loss because this would be a lot more exciting if they were in the top 15, but we still have a ton to play for as do they. So it is still a very big game. Uh, and then of course, on the weather side of things, it's going to be very cold, 40 at kickoff, bone dry, getting a little cooler as the night goes on. More on that later, uh, but strictly as it pertains to tailgating right now, it's chilly, but it's good football. You know, you really feel like you're a New England fall, you know, Friday Night Lights type thing. Uh, and again, like I said, the only negative is Miami coming off the loss. And the Sox as well. The Sox are our uh, first pitch is, I believe, 8 o'clock. So that's going to hurt the general attendance a little bit. Um, again, for the, I, guess, I would say, non, you know, BC diehards and, and for kind of just the general Boston sports fans. But overall, very high score, 27.2 Bud Lights. 27.2. All right. I, li- I like that score, Matt. Uh, the Friday night games are, are tough to predict. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how, how big if it's Miami and we get a shot to contend for the ACC, which, you know, we kind of have a long shot this year, obviously, but it's still a huge game. It's as big of a game we've had this late in the season in a while. But, but I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the, on the head. I mean, there's a lot going on on Friday. It's, it's tough to get out of work. It's a seven o'clock game. I always thought the Friday games were, were at eight, but it they should out, be. Yeah. They really should be. It's, 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 it's a not huge right. hour that you, that you lose. Um, so unless you, you, you know, take the day off or, you know, cut out of work early, um, it's tough to get to, to the tailgate lots on time. I don't have a lot of faith in the BC tailgating population after seeing, uh, how depressing the Louisville tailgate was. Our tailgate was great, but the, uh, the surrounding cars were non-existent. We had the, the place to ourselves um, so hopefully that changes on friday um and i guess only other thing i'll mention is you know it is a friday night it's if you're a student it's it's probably like a 29.4 those those friday night those night games in general i remember you know our junior year virginia tech came in and it was we had a great time tailgating shout out to lake street um and we had what Notre Dame on a Saturday night, I think, and then obviously USC yeah. post grad was awesome. So Notre Dame, and then also junior year we had Florida State on a Thursday night, which might be the one that you're thinking. Although I'm not, uh, I correct, yeah, I don't know Virginia Tech. I don't, I don't recall that one, one way or the other. But anyways. I think it was, it was Florida State. I think you're right. Yeah. Um. Regardless, uh, the night games are just a, a real treat. And if I'm a student, uh, it's I'm gonna go twenty eight point six. Um. For the non-student population, it's probably going to be closer to twenty-four point four, um, just for all the reasons that we that we mentioned. Tough to get there. I don't think the lots will be packed, and I think the uh, the first quarter might be a little iffy as far as the attendance goes. But hopefully, uh, hopefully they can pack the stadium, and uh, these guys need our support. So hopefully, we can make it happen. Yeah, I'm with you. The Sox, I, I do think, is going to be a negative again on just kind of the general fans. It's not going to obviously hurt the students much. Um, but are people going to say, you know what? You know, if you have sock t- socks, you're going to go, right? But are people going to say... But not, t- but not... No, but it's, well, it's in L.A. Um, no. Wrong. Friday night, Friday night is in L.A. Wrong. Who that won the is- All-Star game? Matt. Are you sure? I'm, I'm, I'm positive. Because, by the way, this they, they got rid of the this year it counts because they realized it was the stupidest thing in all of sports. 
So it's just a better record. Yeah, Matt, it's it's very much in Boston. Yeah. So, not on Friday. Yeah, oh, shoot. It's not game one. No, it's, it's okay. game three. <laughs> Nightmare. Yep, you're right. Yep, that you're was right, terrible, right. man. I knew that the Sox had home field advantage, so we're all right here. <laughs> of um, course. And but, did so the yeah. AL win the All-Star game? Just can we so, circle back on that? Matt, my point my point is, if you're going to the game, you're not going to go to the BC game, right? If you're going to the World Series game if in LA. If you're going to the World Series game in LA, yeah, you're not going to go to the right. BC game. So you know that. And yeah. you're not going to say, oh, I want to watch the Sox on, on TV, so I'm not going to go to a big BC game. I don't think so, at least. Maybe, uh, maybe I, just, people I disagree with that. I, I, again, you and I obviously wouldn't, but there's a lot of, I don't want to call them neutrals, but just you know, kind of fringe you watch Boston on your sports. phone and it's baseball and it's nine innings. Matt, we you have know? data limits. And everyone leaves at halftime anyway, so you can you you like you can see you know most of the game anyway. Right? I think you Just are. Get there. I think you are under. I think you're underselling this. To be honest, what do you mean? Like I think I think that it's a much bigger impact than you're giving credit for. Yeah, but if I'm a typical BC fan that shows up you know midway through the first and leaves at halftime. I'm barely going to miss, you know, I'll miss the first couple innings, then I'll go. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but just, you know, for the general tailgate, whatever, there's probably a lot of people who, you know, even if they're interested in BC, would rather go sit at, uh, you know, a bar downtown and have everything. I think people would have got, I think most people, like adults, get tickets in advance and they wouldn't have known that the, the World Series was going to happen. So I, I don't think it'll be that big of a factor. I hope frankly, you're right. Matt. I hope you're right. Um, but all right, let's, let's move on to the field here. Uh, so obviously a huge matchup and a big night. Red bandana, like we've said a million times, ton of history in this matchup. Obviously, notably the Flutie play, uh, as we all know. Not to mention again the game on the field. You know, it's a it's it's a big game. We both still have ACC title hopes still alive, and it's really a must win for both programs. Uh, Matt, two quick stats before I want to get going on the uh, I guess everything that's going on in the somewhat tumultuous last couple of weeks in Miami, but Miami is 0 for their last four with kickoff temps below 50 degrees. As mentioned, it'll be a 40 at kickoff on Friday night. And BC is four and two lifetime when playing on the same day as a Red Sox World Series game and one and zero when playing at the same time when the games are overlapping. That, of course, was uh, Matty Ice in Virginia Lane Tech. Stadium in 2007. What a so, night. Making so, Lane Stadium go silent and then the Sox... What game was it? One uh, and they won that night too. It was just they won, it was like, yeah, great. So, yeah, and, and that's pretty much also it. When when BC loses, the Red Sox lose, and when BC wins, the Red Sox win. So definitely a lot riding on uh, on these two games, I would say. Yeah, and I'll tell you. So we got the last laugh, obviously, in the Flutie days. I, you got. I don't have to give you guys the history. You guys know the history between uh, Miami and BC, but you know, just crazy stuff happens. You think about that Ed Reed ridiculous play, the the the, the interception. It's just. Crazy stuff happens between these two teams, um, and we haven't we haven't gotten the upper hand on them in a long time since what oh oh seven. I don't nope. think we've beaten them Ke- at Ke- home. No, yeah, we haven't. Keekly, at oh, home. we have. I don't know about at alumni, but Keekley beat them right. uh, our junior year on the road. Correct. We didn't. We haven't beat them at Chestnut Hill uh, since two thousand seven, I believe. Um, so I'll tell you what, Matt. There's a uh, there's a lot of history here, and they've won most of it. And I don't know. So so I guess. I'll give you my official kind of read on the game here. Everyone knows that Miami has one of the best, probably the best behind Clemson, uh, best defense in the country. They're second in the country in yards allowed per game. You know, one of the biggest things that they do the best is is our Achilles heel is converting third down. They lead the country in third down conversion percentage. We have to be pretty far down the the list there as far as power five teams are concerned, Matt. People keep comparing this to to Florida State last year, and I just I, I just want to say it, this team is nothing like Florida State when they came to, to Chestnut Hill last year. You know, it, was, it is the Red Bandana game, and I think it's probably I think it's exactly a year to the day minus one 
um, when we knocked off Florida State. They're both, you know, historic teams and, and they're having somewhat, you know, they're, they're having down years for them and they're beatable. Uh, but make no mistake, you know, this Miami team is, is pretty darn good. And by no means have they given up on their season like Florida State did. You know, Jimbo Fisher already had a foot out the door last year. And Miami is very much in line to still win the ACC Coastal and, and you know, give Clemson a, a run for their money at the championship. So that's that's one of the things I just want to put out there first and foremost. BC is going to have to play a near-perfect game in order to to really have a chance to, to stay in this one, I think. I think their defense is that good, and I think our offense is, you know, still has a ton of question marks. So, you know, it'll be a, a giant test, and we'll we'll see what the you know BC has done over the past couple of weeks, and and we'll get a pretty good indication of where this team is going to end up, uh, you know, five weeks from now. Yeah, no, I hear you, and, and Miami is also fresh off a of bye, uh, coming off of a loss, which does concern me, because again, I think having you know two weeks to prepare for the Steve Adazio uh, style offense is. You know, probably they probably don't need that much time to be honest. Uh, so that's kind of dangerous for them to have in their back pocket. And they're coming fresh off a loss, like we mentioned. So they will have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, which is unfortunate. Um, you obviously touched on the fact that their defense is, you know, pretty elite. Uh, obviously the turnover chain we're all well aware of. It came out three times against UVA and it's, you know, most likely if, if, I guess how things have gone is it's any indication. I would expect it to come out at least once, uh, whether it's on a special teams fumble or whatever it might be, but would not be surprised to see it make an appearance, unfortunately. Um, but on offense, things are not going so well for the Canes right now. The fans are not happy with Mark Richt and the rest of the coaches. Uh, the story out of the UVA game was pretty much just predictable play calling, poor QB management, as I'll touch on in a second. Uh, just an overall, you know, bad time to be associated with the Miami offense. So, uh, coach Rick announced that, uh, Rozier will be starting on Friday night after it's been the younger and it sounds like more talented, but more mistake prone, a little more raw, uh, Perry for the start of the year. Perry sounds like we'll still see some time, but, uh, yeah, he pulled him in the middle of the UVA game and put in Rozier and apparently just handled it, you know, pretty poorly. And, and everyone was unhappy about it because, Again, they know that Perry is the future, at least out of the two of them. Uh, but how about this, Matt? So we touched on nepotism for the Louisville week. The quarterback coach at Miami, who is obviously the center of all this controversy right now because that's a, a key issue where they're, or a key place where they're having issues, is Mark Rick's son. So uh, big, time nepotism, yeah, big time nepotism rearing its head again uh, adds a little fuel to the fan base fire right now, just general frustration. So... Uh, you know, honestly, I'm looking at this as, as it should be a huge day for our defensive backs, especially in the cold weather, which obviously neither of these guys are comfortable with. Uh, I'm expecting some ducks, some poorly thrown balls and, you know, a, a lot of mistakes and a lot of uh, opportunities for our guys to, uh, you know, take advantage. They only put up 13 at UVA last week. Uh, so overall, definitely some some concerns, a lot of concerns on the offensive side of the ball if you're a Miami fan. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, just as the offense really needs to play a perfect game in order to put up some points. Uh, their offense needs to do the exact same thing against our defense. We're starting to come alive. You know, it was Louisville last weekend, so, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. But in general, they, we, we've seen some improvement. Um, you know, the linebackers are starting to get going. We know that our DNs can take over a ball game. And, um, you know, their line has been prone to allowing some sacks. Uh, these, you know, these quarterbacks – uh, you know, certainly are, are mistake prone. Rogier's, uh, I think he has five touchdowns and three picks, which isn't a great ratio. That's just, that's not a lot of any type of stats. 
Um, and Perry isn't that much better. So no matter who's in the ball game, Matt, it, it seems like our guys can get in there and, and force some turnovers. And, and by the way, they obviously have the turnover chain. We don't have that. We don't need that. Um, it's not the Daz way. But we have a better turnover margin this year, believe it or not, just slightly. But we're uh, we're slightly above them. So I'll give you my, my kind of three keys to the game here, uh, Monday Night Football style. By the way, Joe Tess just does a great job on sure air. Sure does. And yeah, definitely Witten agree with is that. just like throwing up on himself, and Joe Tess like just drags him through the broadcast. It's uh, I'll tell you what, he doesn't. He whatever they're paying Joe Tess, he, they need to double it. But anyway, so my three keys to the game are one, uh, as you said, you got to win the turnover battle. Whether it's you know Hamp picking off, you know pick six, whatever punt block, I don't care how they get it. Um, but the only way that our offense, I think, is or one of two ways our offense can, um, you know, break break into the in the end zone, get some red zone opportunities, um, is to force some turnovers. Um, option number two is AJ Dillon is officially back, and he has to have at least one AJ Dillon play, um, meaning he's got to you know shed four guys and stiff arm everyone to the ground and, and get to the end zone on his own type of deal. Um, and I touched on my 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 third key, but it's third down. They lead the country again in defensive third down. Well, we stink. So we got to have something up our sleeve on third down or just not get to third down. And whether that's, you know, mixing up the play calling, maybe go a little more pass heavy early on and, and, you know, maybe some trick plays, maybe some reverses. You know, those certainly worked in the red bandana game last year against Florida State. I think Jeff Smith threw the first touchdown to White early on in the first quarter. It kind of set the tone for the game. So stuff like that, I think that they really need to, to key in on and give these guys something that they haven't seen on tape yet. Again, they've had two weeks to prepare. Uh, so th- that's to me, you know, the keys to the game. Hopefully that's what Adazio is thinking. Um, but really it's going to come down to our defense stepping up huge. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you completely. I think the, the key is, is really you hit on it, but the creativity, uh, Miami has, has again, an elite defense and a great defensive coordinator. They've had two weeks to prepare for what they've seen out of this offense so far. Uh, if we stick to the game plan that they're expecting, I think they'll absolutely suffocate us. So we need to, Think outside of the box a little bit, get a little bit creative, use these two weeks that we had to install a couple different things, uh, you know, that will allow Dylan to get going and the offense to click as we know it. I I have a note here on the, uh, Miami defense for as good as they've been. They've had a somewhat significant amount of problems. It sounds like with, uh, the read option and quarterback runs. UVA torched them on it and it sounded like UNC the week before gave them some fits as well. So, you know, if there's ever a time to unleash AB, and, and Coach has talked about it, he's been trying to play it a little bit conservative uh, coming back from the knee injury. But if there's a time to unleash him, you know, it's it's going to be Friday night, give teams something that they really haven't seen. And when he's done it this year, he's been great at it. So, yeah, overall, I think it's this game's going to come down to, uh, you know, how creative we can get on offense to throw the defense off their game. You know, this is not a game I want to win, you know, 13 to 10. And I think that would be a tough game for us to win uh, as, you know, I think as, as good of our defense will play against their offense. So uh, I'll just go right to my prediction. I, I do think that we use these two weeks and have a little bit of a coming out party. I think Dylan comes back strong after his basically three weeks off uh, and, and is has a chip on his shoulder and is ready to go and, and ready to get himself back into the you know national conversation as one of the best players in the country. I'm, I'm certainly not going to go as far and say it's going to be like FSU last year, but it, there is something special that happens to this team when it's Red Man Dan and Knight in Alumni Stadium, and I don't see that momentum changing this year. I think we win, and I think it's you know somewhat comfortable. I'm going 31-17 overall, and I here's the thing: I, I think that's enough to get us back into the top 25, which it seemed like you know five weeks ago we thought is not something we would see again this year. Wow, I think you're out of your mind. I probably no, points, I'm, very, I'm very confident here for some reason. I don't, I don't really know why, but I, I feel really good about this game. 
Hey, man, I, I love it. And I, I think you're I think that's a good point. I, uh, Miami, I think they dropped they're dropped out of the AP poll. They're probably hanging around 28, 29, but they are 25 in the coaches poll. So uh, something to think about there. That's to me, that's still beating a ranked team. I don't care what the stats say. We'll take it. Um, I said it, I think, last episode, but I will never, ever, ever pick against BC in the red bandana game. But I think you're out of your mind if it's going to be more than one possession. This is going to come down to the, the final seconds here, Matt. I got uh, Colton Lichtenberg nailing a 40 yarder, uh, as the buzzer, as the buzzer expires for BC to win it 17, 14. I love it. And that would be one of the most dramatic victories in, uh, in this generation, especially with the year that we still can have, uh, in front of us. Thanks again for listening. As always, follow us on Twitter, Instagram at fourth and dude. We'll both be, we're watching remotely on Friday. I'm actually going to be down in DC. I assume you'll be uh, in Philly, but I'm hitting the Philly game watch. See you guys at Fox and Hound. I love it. I'll uh, bring koozies. Yeah, definitely bring some koozies. If you're in the stadium, be loud. Let's get behind our guys for for four quarters. And uh, here you go. Here's a weather pun, Matt. Uh, let's blow the Hurricanes off course on Friday night. Ooh, I Is like that? that, Matt. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? Uh, yeah, that's great. So the road to Charlotte still goes through a cold Chestnut Hill, and there is no better way to keep it rolling than with a little red bandana magic on Friday night. Matt, let's make it happen. It's always a great day to be a dude. Like it.